This episode of Bend the Knee is brought to you by our bannermen, Lord Jason of House Ross, Lady Amanda of House Richardson, Lord Adam the Young Bull of House Parker, Sir Peter of House Whittingham, Sandy the Dragon, Blood of Queen Daenerys, and Lady of Jameson, Lord Nelson of the Long Isle, Sir Joshua of House Ross, Lady Liz of House Hendricks, Sir Matthew of House Perry. This podcast is protected by Lord Hunter the Foulmouthed, Lady Amanda of House Ryan, Lady Rajal of House Stevens, Sir Ron of House Golson, Lord Robert the Unfrozen of House Butler, Lord Paramount of Skagos Island. Hello and welcome to Ben the Knee, a Song of Ice and Fire podcast. I am Sir Matt the Bud Knight, Fist of the Dragon, Maker of Gains. And I am Sir Ezra the Watchful, Stealer of Hearts, Bandit of Time, Hero of Shreve. Welcome to our Song of Ice and Fire book club. Today we are into the prologue of A Clash of Kings, and in the Maester's Study we will be covering Dragonstone. Yeah. Wow, man. We're back. 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 (laughs) Okay. Uh, Un, you know, unlike our our you know our Lord and Savior George R. R. Martin. Yeah. You know the, the 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 king of the whole deal. Hey, we come back. All right. We don't yeah. we don't leave we don't leave you hanging. So <laughs> it was good. You know, we had a we had a nice little break there. Um, t- took some time to recover to you know think about where do we want the show to go. Let's make it bigger, better, yeah. bolder. Yep. Back. Yep. Yep, I'm hearing you. I it is it's season two. It's just mm-hmm. we're we're ready to go. Mm-hmm. We're I'm into excited. a Clash of Kings, man. Everything it gets ooh, big, different. It's it's um season. This is also going to be season two and three of the show. Covers the second book, A Clash of Kings, man. You know we're going to be venturing into new territory here. You yeah. know we di- we didn't talk about. You know, all we talked about was the seven and the old gods. Well, now there's a new god, singular. Yeah. Um, Patchface, what's his deal? We're right. gonna meet new characters. Davos, the Tyrells, Theon gets some POV chapters. Uh, Stannis Baratheon. I mean, the one true king. There's so much. <laughs> right, right. I know, man. Yeah, House Florent. I mean, like s- some of the things that as we were reading this first. A little bit, and I've read even the first couple chapters just to kind of refresh my my memory. Mm -hmm. Like, it's amazing the different houses and remembering, like, the old alliances, the old marriages, marriage packs that had been created and how those are going to affect this great war. It's just, it's, I don't know, it's bigger, as you say. So much more to it. It's bigger, it's bolder. Um, Just, there's a lot of world building. In yeah. this prologue chapter, we'll be discussing today. But man, you know, sirs, how was your, how was your break, man? How was your how was your how was your dude, time off a little bit, dude? I good. I am I am ready to go. Uh, here's the thing: I thrive in the fall. I don't know why. I love the fall. It's just my time. Like the the colder it gets, I'm I guess I'm like a Stark in that. Right, winter is coming, mm-hmm. and I'm freaking prepared. All right, so mm-hmm. yeah, like I don't know. I've been I've been having some yeah, just every. Almost every other night, like like uh, I have a fire out back, and I'm just like, I've been meditating, sending smoke signals to my friends, just like mm-hmm. I, I don't know, man, ready to go. Nice, so, nice. Yeah. How about you? All right, well, 
hey man i've been good you know um took some time off for you know a little break there and uh just started hammering out some work on some other projects we've been working on um took some time to rest you know we always we always we always record on sundays and yeah we always you know i always get up early make sure we get that recording done and and stuff like that just gearing up for 2020 gonna be a good year and yeah man i'm just yeah i Taking some time actually to dive back into the content like deeper, not just, oh, every week, make sure I listen to the chapter because we do that every now and then, Um, you know, but then it's like, well, I don't get a I just haven't taken haven't taken the time to like really like listen to some stuff in Dance of Dragons, listen to some stuff in Dunkin Egg, Mm -hmm. listen to some stuff in Fire and Blood and kind of like, oh, yeah, refresh my memory on some of that other areas just because we're always you know going along chapter by chapter that it's like oh yeah i gotta think about that and then you know studying some theories and and stuff like that so it's been good it's been refreshing yeah well and really again more and more george will just weave and build his world as you say and there's more histories and stuff and that's why Mm -hmm. you know all of those histories that we did in in season one are so important and will come back up again in in this Mm -hmm. uh in this book so it's gonna be great absolutely Absolutely. Well, man, hey, before we jump into our small council, uh, there's definitely some news to be talking about. Uh, We do want to give a special shout out to um, some other patrons as well, our Sworn Swords. Uh, We have Sir Anonymous of House Anonymous, Lady Ashley of House Gardner, Sir Chris of House Faber, Sir David of House Frazier, Lady Dawn of House Watson, Lady Aaron of House Hickman, Sir James of House Nutter. Special shout out to him. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Um, he has designed our website, which you can check out at bendtheneepodcast.com. You can send us Ravens there, uh, you know, which we will read on the show. So super shout out to him. Sir Jeffrey of House Wilson, Lady Jessica of House Neal, Sir John of House Mc. McAnapsy, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Lady Michelle of House Ramsen, Sir Ralph the Dornish Wolf, Sir Stephen of House uh, Vilken, and Sir William of House Lombard. You know, hey man, you know we t- we took some time as we were in the break and we're trying to up the show. We're like, you know, we need to give a shout out some of these other patrons too. So yeah, man, yeah, it's great. It's it's awesome. We've actually got even our Raven today kind of talks about just uh, the end of season one, the beginning of season two, and and how. Things are gonna just be I don't know like like how great season mm-hmm. one for us was and oh, then, it, was, it, was, it was an amazing ride yeah yeah and then just what this is gonna be like it's it's just exciting so you know but mm-hmm. yeah yeah absolutely all right man hey small council we got some we got some news to talk about here right so we know that HBO has had a multiple successor shows planned there was the one that I think everyone was kind of. Um, on board with for what seemed like the longest time it was kind of called blood moon or the longest night or the, the long night mm-hmm. and it was going to kind of take place during the age of heroes and that one seemed like it was all greenlit to go and then a couple in a couple like weeks or, or like maybe like a month or so ago we heard rumors of a second one that was going to be centered around um like the fire and blood era the the targaryen uh, the dance of dragons right and i was like oh man and as soon as they announced that one i was kind of like well that sounds like a lot cooler than this, the long night just because it seems like it's just a cooler period of time because we know more about it not that the long night couldn't be cool we just we just didn't know about it and then um it was like a week or uh, a so ago they mm-hmm. announced that the long night one was canceled and that they were going to be going forward with the targaryen one and then um i read uh you know Gurr talk about this on his blog and it seems like this this long or the um 
Dance with Dragons one, the Fire and Fire and Blood one, is actually f- way further along in development than we thought. Yeah, like way further along. I mean, it's greenlit. So um, here we go. This is from Gurr's, uh, you know, website, not a blog. The dragons take wing. He said the dragons are coming back. Last night and. In Hollywood, at the Warner Media Day, HBO made it official. We have greenlit for a Game of Thrones successor show. Not just a pilot, but a full season order for 10 episodes. So it's going to be called House of the Dragon is the title of the new show. And needless to say, it will be centered around House Targaryen, set a couple of centuries before the events of A Song of Ice and Fire, based upon the history from Archmaester Gildane's Fire and Blood. They even have a cool um, logo there. It says House mm. of the Dragon is the Targaryen sigil and it says fire will rain r-e-i-g-n so that's pretty cool yeah. um he says the new series will be um helmed by a couple of great showrunners ryan condal and miguel sapachnik um who you know miguel should be known to game of thrones fans he directed battle of the bastards as well as the long night he's directed most of the very large battle episodes in game of thrones yeah um, you know, he says, you know, there's nobody, uh, nobody better. Um, and so then he says, Ryan, Ryan Condal is new to Westeros, but not to me. He says, I first met Ryan when he came to New Mexico for a shoot for, um, the sci-fi Shiri series, uh, Colony, which I haven't seen. Um, uh, but I think it was on like sci-fi, right? I think it was on, uh, yeah, Sons, yeah. something like that. Um, he said, uh, you know, and Gurr is very into sci-fi and actually almost he's more into sci-fi than he is kind of. Sure. fantasy right um, he says he's a terrific writer and he's been a fan of my book since before we met he's he tells me he discovered the series just after a storm of swords was published he says he's loved the books for 19 years he says he is also a huge fan of the duncan egg series in fact that was the show he wanted to do what yeah <laughs> but he says i'm not prepared to bring duncan egg to television until i've written a f- quite a few more stories um, he says so working with ryan is um on the development of house of the dragon has been a dream um, okay, so then, you know, all that kind of stuff. So then he goes on to talk a little about the development of it. House of the Dragon has been in development for seven, several years, though the, it has the title has changed a couple of times during that process. It was actually the first concept I pitched to HBO when, I, when we started talking about a successor show way back in the summer of 2016. If you'd like to know a little bit more, um, he says, I can't really spill those beans, but you could pick up a copy um, of the two anthologies I did with Gardner uh, Dozios, which is Dangerous Women's and Rogues. Now, those are the two novellas, right? Which is The Blacks and the Greens and The Princess and the Queen, which actually kind of find their way into um, Fire and Blood. Yeah, yep. Uh, so... Um, you can read those in, in in there. He says, so it says Ryan has done a considerable amount of writing on the house of the dragon, but a lot of work remains ahead of us. There's a, you know, like a lot of stuff, you know, production stuff to, to get, to get all, uh, all set up. He says, we'll probably be returning to a lot of the same, um, scenes and countries that Dan and Dave used for game of Thrones. Um, I expect to be involved in this to some extent, but, and who knows if things work out, I may be able to script a few episodes as I did for the first four seasons of game of Thrones, but, and then in bold, you know, all caps, let me make this perfectly clear. Wow. I am not taking on any scripts until I have finished and delivered winds of winter. Winter is still coming, and winds remains my priority, as much as I'd love to write an episode of House. So he's just uh, kind of shortening it there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, then he talks a little bit about how it's kind of disappointing that we did all this work on The Long Night, and for whatever reason, HBO decided to cancel it. Um, he says that he doesn't think that, it's, that it was going to be a matter of one or the other. 
Um, just that they just decided not to go forward with that one and to go forward with this one. Um, so it wasn't like HBO was sitting there saying, well, it's gonna, we're, you know, it's going to compete. Which one do we think is better? Okay. Yeah. So he says, I believe there is rent plenty of room for Westeros on television. If we, if there's enough room for multiple CSI shows, um, well, Westeros and Essos are a lot bigger with thousands of years of histories and enough tales and legends and characters for a dozen shows. Mm-hmm. He says, heartbreaking as it is to work on a pilot and pour your blood and sweat and tears into it and have it all come to naught. It's actually not uncommon in the television business. He says, I've been there myself more than once. Um, and then he kind of thanks everyone for the hard work that they did on the uh, the pilot. We'll probably never see. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, um, I have uh, so we'll just kind of dive into our thoughts a little bit on this, and then I have a question about it. And um, sure. you know, Sir Ezra, uh, will HBO pressure him? Uh, which I kind of was, was reading an argument to maybe not like squeeze his arm or whatever, but just say, you know, it'd be really great is if you were to publish that Fire and Blood Volume Two, <laughs> since that would kind of go along with that. And you know, how will that affect Winds of Winter? Man, it just depends on how much. Like, like, is Winds of Winter close to being finished? I don't. Who knows? You know, every time we that, we get we talk about it, we're like, I think it's close. I think it's. I may we may never see it, dude. We've been talking about this since back before the podcast even started when we were doing, you know, YouTube videos and stuff. Like, we I don't know. It's 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 crazy, and I understand this is taking much longer because of all the stuff that he's doing, which he he's. He's talked about like the success of the show has brought people into the series. So that's great. And, you know, that that's awesome that that happened. But now the series, it's not finished. And it just right. sort of like it's just it's almost too bad he wasn't further along with his second to last book and had that drop midway through, you know, sometime during uh, the, the original, you know, get Game of Thrones HBO series and then was only working on the last book. But like it must have stopped him like in his tracks or something because it's just taken so long. And I've always been someone to say, let him finish, let him take his time, let him write a masterpiece. I don't know. You know, I've heard him say like, do you think he's even writing? Jeez. Don't (laughs) ask me that. I do think he's writing. I I do. I, I just think like, I actually think he is as much as he might say he's not influenced by the show or what happened with, with the show and everything. I, I think he has his like what he wants in mind at the end, some of those major things that he wants to have happen. But he also is someone who has admitted that as he writes, his characters evolve. That's why this web continues to spread. And there are more and more little subplots and side stories and other little characters who he weaves back in. It's amazing. It's amazing the, the way he does that. Like he actually talks about it. I, I Darn it. I wish I would have found the article and brought it with me. But uh, there was reading somewhere where he talks about the two different types of writers and how some people from the onset have the entire thing done. So they know where they're going. It's it's like I forget the analogy that he used, but like they they know everything. Right. He has a general idea. A premise starts with a wall um, and men looking off into this wall, protecting a kingdom. And then he just kind of goes. And that's 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 what he and then it's just kept evolving, kind of whatever. He put it in a drawer for years, brought it back. You know, when he, before he wrote the first book, and so that's the type of writer he is. He, he he like he lets his characters grow, and I'm he's also the writer. So life influences him. You know, life right. things that are happening in his life, and then also all the stuff with the show. So I don't know, man. It's also probably a hard like think about winter and writing stuff that's like a little bit like depressing, and I don't know, like I don't know what the characters are going to be going through necessarily, but it's some hard times. So like. 
that's something else. Like he's very much in tune and, and connected with his characters and what's going on. So maybe Winter's got him down. I mean, I don't know. Like, I mean, hey, it's it's possible. It really is. And and I just think so. Your question is like, will HBO with this moving forward with this show pressure him into? Fire and Blood. I mean, clearly he, he admits here in 2016 he was having you know talks with HBO and in pitching other shows. So that clearly was eating into some of his writing time right. and you know and, and things. And also, like he can do what he wants. He, I mean, I, I think he wants to finish the series. But if he came out and said, you know what, it's just too much, my health, whatever, yada yada, he could stop. I mean, I don't right. think he's going to. But it's like you know, it, it could also be you know you know last night you and I were talking. Um, and we were uh, just like on the phone, obviously not not recording or anything. But yeah. um, you know, we were t- you and I were talking about finishing series, right? Because I had like just finished a you know a big video game I've been playing. That's like you know one of those games I play like you know really heavy big RPGs where you're playing this game for like a hundred hours sometimes. Yeah, you know, and it's like I was you know it's like about us, and it's the same when you like you you watch like a something that has like eight or nine seasons, or you finish a book series and you get kind of depressed. You're like, man, like you know, it's over. Yep. You know, and it's and there's nothing quite like that first ride when you're when you're going through and you like you know you you're you're reading about these characters or you know listening or watching or playing or whatever, and when you get to the end, it's kind of like oh they're gone, you know, yes, right? And it's probably also hard because you know it was so much fun. I mean, even it's like your this book series is coming out, um, and you don't want it to end. Right. The TV show, it's such a high like you're, yeah. you're writing it like look at J.K. Rowling. Um, sure. I mean, yeah. after uh, clearly after Harry Potter, like, you know, she's still focused on. No, I want to build it and make it different and make it bigger and better. You know, that's why she you know, they invented Pottermore and mm-hmm. she's on Twitter still like developing these characters that are long over, like just adding backstory yeah. to them. Right. Yep. Um you know, and now they're and they move into the Fantastic Beasts and 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 stuff like that. And she can still actually, you know, it's not so far away that you're writing a. You can still influence the the main set of characters by adding by adding depth to them and stuff like that. And you know, maybe that plays part of it. Maybe it's you know this Gur has been somebody who has had you know moderate success outside of Game of Thrones. I I wouldn't say I wouldn't really say that he's had major success outside of Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. You know, if you can watch interviews with him, he'll talk about it. You know, he wrote for like the Twilight Zone and he wrote for TV and and all of this stuff. And any interview you watch him where he shows his house, it's like it's mostly sci-fi. And that's what he writes really outside of Game of Thrones. Uh, you know, Song of Ice and Fire is sci-fi. Yeah. And, and so it's like now you have this this huge major success. And do you really want it to really want it to be over? And you can always keep people interested by at least having that like that that final book. Yeah, that for sure. Well, and, and another thing too, I think when he was writing, he he had he had woven so much. He talk, uh, like like history. He talks about how Tolkien had did the opposite. Like when um when when Tolkien created the Lord of the Rings, you know, The Hobbit and what have you, he had a backstory. He had a fully developed languages backstory, age upon age of like histories with his notes, his Silmarillion, all that good stuff. And George has often said that most writers now in, in modern times pretend that they do. Like, he'll weave a line or two in there about, like, the Dragon Knight, you know, and he'll, he'll talk about uh, some of these ancient Targaryen kings or ancient Stark kings. But he's like, really, there was nothing there. I, don't really, I didn't know everything about it. I just sort of had a general idea, whereas Tolkien had everything kind of detailed out. So I think in his mind, he decided, I, wanted, I want to do that. I actually want, we, they call Fire and Blood, like, the, Germ- the, the Germerillion. 
right? Like they want it to be, right. he wanted that to be kind of his big history and kind of like, the, I have all of this stuff that I'm also weaving into the main series. So he took time to mm-hmm. do that. And again, back to your question, will they push him for a Fire and Blood volume two? They actually may. And he may even be inclined to do that, one, because it's easier, less pressure maybe, and maybe it helps him develop the story and, and where he's going. I don't know if he needs that or not, but but you know if he wants to make it better and weave in more of these histories and interconnect things, maybe he does that. Maybe he is doing that already because it seems like he does that and then he goes back and, and, and further develops the history of it. And, and while it's in his mind, that may be the time to, to stop and go do it. So... I don't know, man. Yeah. It's uh, it'll be interesting to see what right. happens. It's it's great to hear him say that he's pushing to get wins done, and I love that. And I also say, get off his back, let the man do what he needs to do. Uh, he's a great writer, one of the greatest. Absolutely, so. yeah. I mean, hey, it doesn't matter to me. I mean, if it takes another three years, but when it comes out, it's it's amazing. Well, then it was worth it. Yeah, exactly. If, it, if he if he rushes it and it sucks, I mean, look at season eight. Everyone was like, it was rushed. It was. You know, it wasn't good. I mean, yeah. would you rather would you rather waited another six months for season eight, or yeah. and had it been way better? Yes, yes, absolutely, yes, yeah. like, like, <laughs> yes. I I would have, yeah, right, yeah. So and there's yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, that's why I, I'm just like let it let it be. We're we're also it's unique that we're in this time where we get to interact. This writer is still here. He is one of the greats, and we get to watch him go through this process and, and he's developing this right in front of us and we, we're going to be the first people to kind of consume it because this will be a series that years and years and years from now people will read and it will be one of those great series i wasn't around when tolkien developed when the hobbit and the and the lord of the rings came out and all that kind of stuff but wow those were were great times and actually over time that's really how his series kind of grew and and became successful george is having sort of the opposite it's happening right now in his lap as he's developing this series right. and finishing it and that's unique too so, man, I don't know. I, I'm so excited. I'm so glad they're doing the, the, the show because he definitely has the volume one done. And it's, it did, I didn't mention it here, but it is about the Dance of Dragons, correct? Or are they going back to Aegon's mm-hmm. Conquest? They're no, gonna, it's, it's going to be Dance yeah. of Dragons. Okay. Yeah, that's what, that's what they talk about. Um, and I think the cool thing about this is, you know, it's, it was probably harder when the show, the main show was going. Mm-hmm. Because it's like you, this is different. It's still in the same world, but it's like something that you're not you're not as involved with. Yep. Whereas this is racing against you, and so you feel that pressure. And then you're also seeing like how are fans reacting to the show, and this is my work, and, mm-hmm. and and all of that stuff. And it probably causes you to second guess yourself, which I know he says he doesn't, but you know it would. I would. I would. I I think it would. It's it's just not human to to second guess yourself yeah well and like i said that um interview that i saw that he did where he he really did talk about how um it kind of i guess like a more human like i don't know he 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 showed that the show outpacing him affected him the 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 further it got that it went along and and he saw the pace at which they were moving and realized he wasn't going to be able to produce wins before it was over it really affected him and he, he kind of just said, I think he uh, there are moments where he just flat out said he was depressed and just had to stop. Yeah, I, w- I would yeah. be. Because he's like, man, this is uh, it's so overwhelming. They're going so quick, and I have so much more to, to develop. I, di- I didn't anticipate this. One thing he said, he really did not anticipate. He thought he would have plenty of time to get the book done. And when, when you see that you, that you, you know, under, that you, uh, I don't know, that you didn't estimate it correctly or whatever, 
that sucks, and it's it's hard to right. kind of deal with. So I say give him a space. Let, let him finish. When he gives us the updates, I'm happy for him. But uh, I I don't know. I just say, like, it, it, it is what it is, and it's also just sort of this great time where we can kind of, you know, we laugh, like, ah, oh, wins, win, wins, wins, come, you know, coming out or whatever. We kind of, but we're not here bashing George, saying he needs to get it done. This is ridiculous, yada, yada, yada. And if you want to do that, this is, get out of here, okay? This is the master writer. Let him finish, and it's going to be amazing when it does come out. So that's what I'm, that's what I'm looking for. And then some people are going, well, now, hold on a second. If it actually ends up to be, like, kind of like season eight, then I don't know, man. <laughs> But it's not right. going to be. It's not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, if it's you know, I, if Winds of Winter sucks, then I mean, right. You know, and then he feels like, well, I felt rushed. You only, you, I mean, you can't go back and rewrite it. No, you only. That's that's the thing. That's a really good point. Is that if he feels pressured and he just, uh, why well, I have to get it out for the sake of getting it out. You know, like that no. just kind of that sucks. That's not what we want. So mm-hmm. remember that when you're on Twitter and you're bashing George for. You know, not getting this done in time. In your in quote, you know, in time. So, right. But man, right. I don't know. Still exciting. A lot of exciting stuff, I guess. Mm-hmm. All right, man. Um, may, let's go. Let's hey, man. Let's dive into the Maester study a little bit here. Um, as we get ready for the the, uh, I I I think about it more as the patch face chapter. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's not, but it's he's there, and we're gonna talk about him. Um. Yep. But you know this this takes place on Dragonstone, which is actually what we we've only actually, you, you know, if you go back in time to when this first came out, we've only actually just heard of this place mm-hmm, mm-hmm, of, dra- yeah. of Dragonstone. Um, so you know, Dragonstone was actually the, the initially the seat of Aegon the Conqueror. They the Targaryens kind of had this as their western outpost, you know, yeah. from in Valyria, and it's just kind of overlooking um, Westeros. But it actually it kind of changes throughout time uh, and becomes a much bigger deal, you know. So it's it's a castle located on the island of the same name, um, at the entrance to Blackwater Bay, located below the Dragon uh, Mont and shaped from stone to look like dragons. Dragonstone was originally the seat of House Targaryen and Westeros that had been colonized and fortified as the westernmost outpost of the Valyrian Freehold. The castle has a dark reputation. Mm-hmm. Um, so after Aegon's conquest of the Seven Kingdoms. Dragonstone in the newly created Crown Lands serves as the seat to the heir apparent, known as the Prince of Dragonstone. Yeah, can you, After, real quick, like on that on that point. So the the Prince of Dragonstone, that mm-hmm. is important. I and mean, you're you're about to read it here, but like that's the whole point. Is the the next person up to the right. throne is there? Mm-hmm. So yeah, and we'll and and we'll, we'll get into this a little bit because Stannis is uh, quite upset actually buy this but as i was kind of yeah. he sh- I, I don't think he shouldn't be i don't think he should be that that what that he's oh no i'm saying that he's upset because he's not that renly does what he does i know what you're gonna say is that you know, the reason he's at dragonstone for for robert baratheon is because he's next up right? So, right like he's he's kind of that like air quote even though he has children and stuff uh they're not of age okay right. once joffrey yeah. baratheon becomes of age he would have been sent maybe to dragonstone or something or he then becomes prince of mm-hmm. whatever Right. That's sort of the thing. But yeah. 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 So it says after Robert Baratheon overthrew the Targaryens in Robert's rebellion, he gave uh, the castle to his brother Stannis, creating House Baratheon of Dragonstone. Um, So obviously, uh, you know, just one other thing I just really kind of want to talk about a little bit, a little bit here um, is obviously the big uh, table on Dragonstone that we see a lot in the show and in the books. It is uh, a carving of Westeros. 
and you know it's a big map table that you always see Stannis standing at, and then later Daenerys uh, standing at as they're kind of planning their attacks and 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 things like that. It's really cool. I think the the way they portray it in the show, I think is is really cool. It's certainly certainly yeah. one of the coolest set pieces in the show. Right, right. And can we talk just quickly about like the the way that that's created and how important it is? Because like Aegon with his dragons is the one mapping out the freaking kingdom and and like before like before his conquest and stuff like remember like the targaryens were there for quite a while and lived peacefully this is the, that westernmost outpost and so it's just interesting how you know like he, he was able to kind of you know like like survey the land if you will mm-hmm. so. yeah um it is a really it is kind of a small island um you know ob- obviously but you know, a lot of important people hold that castle. Magor the Cruel stays there. Um, you know, Aegon Aegon the Second stays there at, at, at some point. Rhaegar lives there, mm-hmm. and then that's where that's actually where Daenerys is born. Daenerys is born on Dragonstone when um, her mother is is sent there. You know, before the the, the sack of King's Landing. Yeah, yeah. We, we, and, we, we, Sir Willem Derry, right? And he gets mm-hmm. kind of like was was. Uh, it's almost like uh, Stannis is scolded for for letting him. You know them get away to Dragonstone. Remember that's a, a piece in this chapter. How did they mm-hmm. get there? So yeah. Interesting. So Yeah. Super cool. All right, man. Well, we ready to dive into the uh the chapter yeah. here. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, Let's well, do it. Um so I actually I did a big huge Game of Thrones recap um on on Patreon for that kind of show watchers uh tier. And since you know the last chapter was was a Daenerys chapter, um you know obviously Daenerys the steps in the fire with Khal Drogo, the dragons wake up and we see that right. red comet but you know so we'll continue kind of our, our standard recap next week of of the of the chapter before but so this is the first one yeah um so summary uh maester uh, crescent broods on the omens all around him on dragonstone when news arrives that the stormlands will not support stannis baratheon's quest for the iron throne crescent comes into conflict with queen selice and the Red Priestess Melisandre over what course to take. In a desperate attempt to kill Melisandre, Crescent shares poison wine with her, but dies while she remains unaffected. Man. Yeah. Pretty wild. This is where you really... uh, We get this dramatic intro to Melisandre, man. I Mm -hmm. mean, she's... She's something else. And it's just like the, the 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 powers we talked about at the end of Game of Thrones. Like all of this, you know, what's happening with Daenerys and the dragon eggs, the red comet that's showing up. It's uh, all these subtly, but at the same time, in, in sort of a big way, powers are coming back into um, the series. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so I'm just going to read uh, some of the, some of the summary here of, of kind of the first uh, little bit of it here. It says, you know, uh, Maester Crescent watches from his balcony as the Red Comet spreads across the dawn over Dragonstone. Like a wound in the sky, the feeble 80-year-old chides himself for considering it an omen, yet he has never seen a comet so bright nor of that color. It is even visible during that the day now. At the same time, hot steam has begun to issue fr- uh, from vents beneath the Dragonmont volcano, and a white raven has arrived from the Citadel, declaring the end of the longest summer in living memory. Ten years, two turns, and sixteen days. Too many omens to deny. It is enough to make any man believe in omens, but the old maester cannot decide what they might mean. And yeah, the red comet that ends the first book, mm-hmm. you know, is it's a we, we talk about it. It's a big deal 
because everyone sees it and a lot of people take it for a different meaning mm-hmm. um you know daenerys uh sees it and that and then you know, that's she wakes the dragons uh you know stannis sees it thinking it makes him king joffrey sees it thinking it makes him king um uh, you know osha's telling bran the red comet only means one thing dragons right um it also comes at the same time that john snow is 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 kind of starting to begin his real journey as a man of the night's watch riding into the true north mm-hmm. yep so i mean there's a lot of big events happening at at, at the turn of this red comet yeah, I mean, uh, Maester Kristen, uh kind of believes that it's it's like it's blood and and murder or death or whatever. Like he, he thinks it's a foul omen, and so you watch the people who think it's a good omen, and those who think it's bad, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, just interesting. Old Nan, as you say, thinking it's dragons. Well, that's cool. If it's dragons, is that a good thing or is that a bad thing? You know, it depends on who you are and and what you're hoping for. Uh, there are still, you know, there's the remember Viserys Targaryen was always led to believe that there are still people who uh, were secretly kind of, um, I don't know, giving praise or, or wishing that the that the dragon uh, would come back and that and that uh, the Targaryens would reign again and stuff. So just really, really kind of where where do your loyalties lie and and stuff? And then if you're Danny, yeah, this is a good omen. Um, there's there's also the connection with the dragon eggs being born for crying out loud. So. Uh, it's it's mm-hmm. it's a lot, and it's something that goes on for several chapters here into a Clash of Kings. It's referenced and mentioned, right? It's not just here; it's going to be right. Yeah, something that we'll talk about over and over again. Yeah. So, so um, a, a character that we're immediately kind of we meet right off the bat here, um, and you know, again, the tone of this book, at least, is it feels different. Um, you know, every everything it. I think I think the choice of, of starting it here by you know by Gur is such a such a great idea because we're introduced to our new new set of characters. Um, everything seems a little more serious. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, obviously there's more of an introduction of magic, which is a big deal. You know, that's the way the first book starts with the the prologue uh, and the, and the White Walkers. Then we don't see the White Walkers again. We you know we right. hear we hear we hear tales of them and stuff like that. So there was always that looming winter is coming, winter is coming, winter is coming. Um, and so now we see this uh, this idea. So last the last chapter really starts with ice. This chap chapter starts with fire, uh, and I think that's a really cool way to do it. Whether I mean whether mm-hmm. that was his intention when he was originally writing it or not. Good point. Um, though, I just yeah. think it's yeah. I just I just think it's super cool. But so it starts it starts here, and a character where immediate we immediately kind of um, meet is Patchface. Um, he says, you know, with um, right here. Um, when Pylos returned, uh, the girl came with him, shy as ever. Behind her, which is, uh, you know, um, oh, Shireen. Uh, you know, behind her, shuffling and hopping in that queer sideways walk of his, came her fool. On his head was a mock helm fashioned from an old tin bucket, with a rack of deer antlers strapped to the crown and hung with cowbells. With his every lurching step, the bells rang, each with a different voice, uh, cling, you know, Kling a dang, bong, you know, ring, ring, um, clong, clong. Who comes to see us so early, Pylos? Uh, Crescent said. It's me and Patches, Maester. Guileless blue eyes blinked at him. You know, it's interesting that they they make such a big deal about his eyes. Mm-hmm. You know, her, hers was not a pretty face. Um, you know, they talk about how you know she has um, some disfigurement, which is the grayscale. Yeah. Uh, but then we then this is where we start to get uh, a little bit about Patchface, man. Um, you know, you and I are going to be doing uh, later uh, a a big kind of Patreon episode, so I don't want to uh, spend a ton of time here on on him. But there is a lot of mystery surrounding him. 
uh you know and then as he a little goes on then he talks and he talks about um you know the fool turned and patched his his piebald head to watch pilots climb up the, st- the steps to the rookery his bells rang with motion under the sea the birds have scales for feathers he sang you know um oh i know i know oh 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 which he says <laughs> a lot you know like yeah, and I, I just i just i just him. hear i just hear roy detrice's voice you know like singing uh yeah. as he does yeah i mean but Patchface is kind of a is a very interesting character yeah, well, let me just get cut right to the point, and then I, we won't go a whole lot into this, but, like, the the question with Patchface is, is he, when he speaks, is he speaking, you know, kind of, like, is is he a prophet, in a sense? Is, is it prophetic? Is what he's saying mm-hmm. going to come true, or is he, does he, and how does he know things? It just, it's too eerie, like, what he says and how much it, it matches with what's going on around uh, the, you know, the realm. So... Mm-hmm. But anyways, yeah, and, and it's just it's nuts. And he's also he's a he's a slave from Valentis, right? So he went over when uh, Lord Stefan goes across the way to find a a bride uh, for mm-hmm. Rhaegar. Yeah, he comes he comes back with him. And also think about the fact that when he when he comes back, the ship crashes, and yep. you know Robert Baratheon's standing there. Um, I think he, him and Stannis are standing there, and they watch the ship crash, uh, and he dies. But the only person to survive is Patchface. Right, and it's it's crazy that what how, what how you know he's the one who they went to. How what's the irony in that? Right, that he this that they went to go find a bride for um, Rhaegar. They don't find one, but hey, they rope back and they find this really cool uh, gesture. This this uh, maybe even c- could have been a bard spoke and sang in diff- four or five different languages. They say um, they were just kind of they they, they actually mm-hmm. think very highly of him, and then <laughs> the fact that. This is the only person who makes it. Like no one else makes it, really. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, Patchface says things. It's always summer under the sea. You know, that's that's right. some that's some other under the sea. It snows up, and the rain is as dry as bone. I know, I know. Oh, oh, oh. Um, you know, and he's okay. And so and so anyway. Yeah, I don't. I don't want. I don't want to. I don't want to well, spoil spoil too much thi- of our thing. But one more. Thing. It, one, go yeah. ahead. Well, just was one more thing. So they mentioned here in the prologue, and since they mentioned in this chapter, we'll, we'll talk about it because uh, there's so much more with Patchface going forward. But in this chapter, when they find him, uh, they they say he's he's as nimble as a monkey. He's witty. Um, he he can juggle. He does riddles, and he does magic. All right, that's what they say. That's what they say. That is uh, he, what they say. You know, he can sing in. He can sing v- v- with this pretty voice in four tongues. Uh, so they're hoping to bring him back home and they're very delighted, uh, with, with this, you know, with Patchface, and hoping that he's going to bring, bring basically, you know, teach Stannis how to smile and, 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 you know, just be this bright light in, in court there for them. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah. So that yeah. doesn't, is happen. he another, I think so. Yeah. You maybe. Know? I mean, I, th- yeah, <laughs> maybe he does magic. That's, that's what they say. That's what well, they- it's the blue eyes is what a lot of people uh yeah. think that's where yeah. they that's where they, yeah, they have that uh the well, fact it, that they they talk about his guileless blue eyes they talk about his the, his pale cold skin too yeah right I mean, you know some lines so he uh you know a couple as we as we progress a couple pages here um he's talking about you know the sha- he's singing a song and he sings the shadows come to dance my lord dance my lord dance my lord the shadows to c- come to stay my lord stay my lord stay my lord um they say he sings that all the time now interesting think about Mm -hmm. this right now that we've had from season eight they expanded jenny's song the shadows come to dance 
Mm-hmm. You know, they talk about high in the halls of the kings who are lost. Jenny danced with her ghosts. Well, a shadow yes. and a ghost. I mean, I'm just saying. Jay cow. <laughs> is there a connection? Yes, probably. Yes. <laughs> oh, that's that's so just cool. very similar. It's just very, very kind of similar. Right. Right. Ah. Uh, yeah, yeah. You, you know what's crazy too when they when they when they pull Patchface up from the, they find him on the beach when they it just they they grab him by the ankle and they start to pull him along they, they think he's a corpse they're gonna throw mm-hmm. him away with everybody else but then he comes through he kind of makes a couple he, it's not like it's not like they you know what's dead may never die like they 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 I don't know like they 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 did nothing to him to bring him back essentially as far as we know um, the the only thing they talk about is is Mr. Creston kind of refusing to give him you know milk or, or medicine to keep him to, i don't know to, to make him uh, to help him go to sleep essentially forever to die mm-hmm. you know yeah i mean right so, here it, it, a little bit just a little bit after that it starts to talk about it, it says you know a sudden crescent to remember that letter none of us had ever taught stannis how to laugh because they thought you know we could get patch face he, he's so he's so good that he he's a most splendid fool he'll teach stannis how to laugh and so this is obviously his dad thinking about to get stannis as a young boy mm-hmm. um you know how to laugh says the lord's two-masted galley um galley wind proud broke up within sight of his castle um you know it said it smashed against the rocks and the waters a hundred oarsmen and sailors went down with lord stephan baratheon and his later w- wife and for days thereafter every tide you know a fresh crop of swollen corpses uh, would you know would would wash up and it says the boy washed up on the third day yeah yep crazy crazy i mean he he also washes up without any clothes um he's tatted up like crazy by the way one thing you need to mm-hmm. know about about patch faces those are it's not paint he's actually right. tattooed you it's know tattooed, yeah, with, yeah. With that green and red uh kind of coloring right mm-hmm. yeah it says it says uh, you know the the witty clever lad that lord stefan had written of never reached storm's end but the boy they found was someone else broken in body and mind hardly capable of speech much less of wit yet his fool's face left no doubt of who he was it was in the fashion of the free city of Atlantis to tattoo the faces of slaves and servant from neck to the scalp you know so people knew exactly who who he Mm -hmm. was yeah they say the wretch is mad and in pain and of no use to anyone least of all himself Right, right. And that's where they're basically wanting to kind of, like, he's yeah. clearly going to be in, in misery. He's he's lost it. He's whatever. Let's just give yeah. him and then, mercy. Yeah. Right here, when he says the shadows come to dance, the white raven, you know, dance my lord, dance my lord, the white raven shrieks lord. So mm-hmm. that goes into, you know, oh, possibly is there a connection there? We hear Commander Mormont's raven right which we believe has some connection to blood raven um when it's by john and it says king king you know stuff that kind of thing so it's just interesting to see another connection here of a different raven with patch face yeah right yeah and you know i mean crescent kind of says when when he's explaining to shireen just that like ah these ravens can be taught certain words and he may sing a song one day and not ever come back to it or remember it Mm -hmm. but that actually when it when they talked about how this raven could maybe pick up a line of a song or sing something or, you know, or even right or maybe that was well just even in what it would say and not remember it like the next day or go on to something else it just doesn't seem to fit i'm sort of like i don't know like maybe that's someone speaking through the raven mm-hmm. uh, and that's so why it doesn't yeah remember it, so. uh, yeah yeah absolutely and so okay after that uh shreen and patchface kind of leave uh 
uh, in this. And then we're introduced to one of the best, uh, a fan favorite, um, obviously a boss, a, a no slouch boss Come of on. a character, yep. Sir yep. Davos Seaworth. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is great. I mean, it, it, it's cool too because Davos is, is a lot like Stannis in that they don't really mince words or sugar sugarcoat things or beat around the bush they're pretty straight to the you know straight to the point and just Mm -hmm. real blunt i guess and Mm -hmm. crescent kind of notes that about both of them and that's maybe also why davos is is uh well liked by Mm -hmm. you know the king i'll call him king stannis all right well he is yeah so so, yeah yeah right so um but yeah i think that's he this is awesome davos is is great and at first you don't see to like this relation you see a little bit about just interaction with like um like the the stuff with shireen really develops later on but this is more just developing him as someone who right. um had saved house baratheon and who had saved them at storm's end and he's this notorious smuggler not just like mm-hmm. notorious in this region but known throughout the realm out through the throughout the seven kingdoms like he's that well known as a right. smuggler. Well, well, think about this. This is interesting, too. Um, you know, it talks about Davos a little bit here and who he is. Um, it says, Davos was a slight man. He is a low birth written, plain upon a common face, a well-worn green cloak stained by salt and spray and faded from the sun, draped in, on his thin shoulders. Um, you know, around his neck, he has a, a patch of leather, you know. Um, his small beard was well peppered and gray. He wore a leather glove on his maimed left hand. Says, when did you return? He says, in the black of morning, my favorite time. It is said that no one had ever handled a ship by night half so well as Davos shorthand. That's another another word for him. And then they talk a little bit about his shorthand and how he got it. Um, you know, we know that he uh, he saves Stannis Baratheon, right? He by they bring them a bunch of he brings them a bunch of onions while they're being sieged, uh, and then that buys them enough time for during Robert's rebellion for Eddard Stark to bring down and, and put an end end to the siege. And mm-hmm. Stannis rewards him by giving him some land, but also uh, it says, I'm going to take four of your fingers, you know, because you have been a thief for years. So, yeah. so it's like, it's like, you know, one, w- one good deed does not, you know, replace the years and years worth of, of bad deeds that, that you've had. And so, uh, and, and I think, St- uh, Davos isn't really, I think he's, I generally think he, he thinks it's fair. Yeah. He does seem he's, he was, he basically commanded what well, he wanted Stannis to do it himself too. challenge yes. him to say, all right, then only, the only person who he felt could really pass that type of judgment and, and it be fair would be Stannis. You know, imagine mm-hmm. if somebody else who was caught up in all sorts of other air quote, you know, sins of the seven or people who had uh, like Stannis has a pretty solid, he's, he's a gruff guy, but he's got a pretty solid rep- reputation. You know I mean? You could, you could say he's distant from his, his daughter or his wife or whatever, but for the most part, he's, he does what he's supposed to do, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, so it's like if, if anybody's going to pass judgment on me, let it be this guy and let him do mm-hmm. it himself. And there's just a lot of respect between those two that, that was gained there. And I think even Davos, the way he does accept the punishment, was said a lot for Stannis. You know, that's a, a, just in his favor, in Davos's favor. So that's why he grants him his title and he grants him his, uh, you know, pick of land and, and stuff. And, and um, you know, helps his sons out, let, let, helps his sons rise uh, to, to possible potential knighthood later on and stuff. So... Mm-hmm. As squires and such, yeah, 
Yeah. And so Davos is going to have a meeting with uh, Stannis. Um, you know, and then they they talk a little bit about the the room, the great round room. They talk a little bit about the about the table, you know, the painted table uh, that we talked about uh, a little bit during our maester study. It says it's more than 50 feet long, perhaps half that wide at its widest point, but less than four feet across at its narrowest. Aegon, you know, talking about Aegon the Conquerors having it made. Uh, carpenters had it shaped after the land of Westeros, sawing out each bay and peninsula until the table nowhere ran straight. On its surface, uh, darkened by near 300 years of varnish, were painted the seven kingdoms as they had been in Aegon's day. Rivers and mountains, castles and cities, lakes and forests. There was a single chair in the room, carefully positioned in the precise place along Dragonstone uh, that it occupied off the coast of Westeros and raised up to give a good view of the tabletop. Just such, such great, it's such cool world building there. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, uh, and, and it is. It's such a such a cool table. And again, I think the show did a really really good job. It's obviously a lot smaller in the show than what it says here, um, but again, I think it's just it's a very very cool set piece. I think they did a really good job with that. Yeah, yeah, they did. They, they yeah, absolutely. You know, another thing too. So not only is he doing like this world building thing, but one thing I want to mention before I forget is you have old Maester Cresson who is climbing the stairs, having trouble, um, not being summoned. Uh, Stan is kind of saying, ah, you're old. Yeah, it's 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 sort of like, I don't really need your counsel. You're ill. Maybe you're losing your wits or whatever. Um, let him rest, whatever. He, he does say later on that he's given him great, you know, good service in, in years past. But you have this sort of like the old way and the new way, or you've got this, um, like the maesters tend to hold to science and logic or whatever in here. You don't have the numbers, Lord Stannis. You don't have the numbers to do what you want to do. Right. Uh, but on the other side, it doesn't matter. You know, they're they're saying to Stannis, it doesn't matter because you are the chosen one. It's like, hold on, hold on a second here. Like, like, have you abandoned? You know, um, th- this reason and and logic and, and whatever else. I mean, it's that's sort of where Crescent's coming from. And the crazy thing is, his assistant, who we haven't mentioned much, but Pylos is someone who I think he's twenty one or twenty five. I think it says. Mm-hmm. I think it says yeah that he's twenty five, and he is. A little ambitious. I mean, he is the assistant maester. He's waiting for Crescent to kind of die. He's in talking with, um, you know, Solis, and, and he's talking to uh, Stannis and, and everything. So there is that whole dynamic happening here here as well. So it's just interesting because he's trying to give good counsel, and he's trying. He's actually reiterating Crescent in this point is reiterating what Davos had just said to. Stannis, you, no one likes you. We, you don't have the numbers. You don't have the support. And Creston goes up to kind of say that as well. Like, you need to kind of seek out Renly. Seek out Renly. Uh, make peace with, with, with one another. And he's known these two boys for since their youth, right? I mean, he yeah. was he was been around that whole time. He talks about Renly and, and how he wanted to, he loved to play games. He loved to play at being something. And now he's playing at being a king with his new rainbow guard. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. sort of this whole dynamic that's that Crescent is is in trying to help these these two young, you know, younger, younger than him men uh, navigate this time after they've lost their brother and who should be next up. It's just they it's just kind of wild. You know, it's just his confrontation here with Melisandre at the end of this is is where it's all at. This is the major shift from Maesters to uh, nope, we're getting caught up in religion and magic and powers and. And you're destined to to be the the chosen one or the or the, or the king, uh, all that kind of stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah. 
Okay. Um, after that, where do we kind of go? This is where this is this is where um, what's her name? Stannis starts complaining a little bit about you know Dragonstone and Storm's End, right? Yeah, he starts. Yeah, right. He's he's complaining right about why he got Dragonstone and the whole whole business there and and just yeah what you and i what you you know you and i talked about a little bit when we're, we're talking about that is he says you know i never asked for dragonstone i never wanted it i took it because robert's enemies were here um you know because this is where he started to make his plans right um talking about why he's upset with Renly and and all of this stuff he says you know robert did you injustice Maser crescent replied uh carefully yet yeah, he had a sound reasons dragonstone had long been the seat of house targaryen he needed a man's strength to rule here and Renly was a child you know, he says he's a child still. But again, I think actually, you know, as we were talking before, it's the heir apparent. Stannis is the the heir apparent. I mean, it's a, it's it's unfortunate that it's such a small island and you don't really make a lot of money because there's you know there's there's not yeah. a lot of people there, not nearly as much as you would have in Storm's End. But I think in terms of a seat of power, I mean, when we look back, I, you know, we think, oh, you know, Rhaegar is on Dragonstone, right? As mm-hmm. if it's we view it almost as like I think historically. Um, you know, as a as an equal, but of course, you know, you, we have to think about when Gur was writing this and stuff like that. But to me, it's like you know, Dragonstone is a is a really a big deal. Yeah, it it is a big deal, and that is sort of uh, well, I think it's even mentioned too. Like they mentioned some point even prior to this that like that go, being the Lord of Dragonstone meant that you were kind of next up. It was almost implied that that it was that title. It, it held that uh, prestige or whatever. So. It's something that is maybe a little bit lost to Stannis just because it's just not it's not what he wanted. And but there was a time when Robert had just taken the throne, right? And he had just taken the throne. He didn't have any children. He had no one else. Next up is his next is is, is Stannis. If he were to fall, it goes to his brother. You know, and then, then his kids, as we said, hadn't even reached that age of uh, I don't know maturity or whatever. Like they hadn't reached uh, hadn't become men yet. So he's still there, kind of ruling, and he's on his council and stuff. He he's still just he goes on to kind of say it's even more than just the fact that he has Dragonstone. It's it's that he wasn't given the same love. He wasn't treated like a brother, like the the way Eddard Stark was. You mm-hmm. know, he just never got that same feeling, that same I don't know, ad- admiration or whatever. So, I mean, he goes on to mention right that that when um, Robert Aaron falls or when he is killed, that. Uh, Instead of coming to him and, and offering him the hand of the king, he goes he goes he goes north to his old friend who he loved like a brother more than any and he said and I was his brother. And, right. and the crazy thing is too that Stannis almost like loses sort of like, well, wh- what did Renly think in all of this too? You know what I mean? It's like they're all kind of disconnected in a sense in this weird way. And I almost wonder if that's something to do with like the, the fostering that took place. You know, Robert Baratheon going to foster somewhere else in the area and so being away and Stannis not having an older brother, but then in a sense being the older brother to Renly, and it's just sort of uh, a weird dynamic that Crescent actually knows a lot about and, and commentates right. on. So, Well, he also gets he was sick here, too, when he's talking about Rob Stark, and he, he talks about, you know, why should I... Uh, they talk about, um, you know, Rob is raising a banner. Should we accept him? And he says, you know, he's a green boy, another false king. Am I to accept a broken realm? So surely half a kingdom is better than none. He says, you know... And if you help the boy avenge his father's murder, uh, you know, he says, why should I avenge Stark? You know, he was nothing mm-hmm. to me. Robert loved him, you know, as as you, as you said, um, you know, he says, I I held Storm's End while mm-hmm. while Mace Tyrell, you know, feasted within sight of my walls. Did Robert thank me? No, he thinks Stark. 
while we were down in the rats, you know, while we were down to rats and radishes. Mm-hmm. He says, I built a fleet for Robert's command. He took Dragonstone in his name. Did he did he take my hand and say, well done, brother? Um, he says, no, he blamed me for letting William Derry steal away Viserys as the babe, as if yeah. I could have stopped it. He says he sat on his council for years, helping John Aaron rule. And when well, Robert drank and whore, but when John died, did my brother name me his hand? No, he went galloping off to his dear friend Stark. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah, it's so. it's it's a lot of things. It's just sort of like I. It's also a lot of the fault is in is in Robert. Really, I mean, I understand it that is Stan, like right. like Stannis doesn't. Um, I don't know. He, he in a way he is he still does honor his brother to some degree and help him or whatever. But it's sort of like, you know, Stannis knows what he was up against when he was uh, when when he was in trouble, and, and the only person who could help him was the young knight, and he knows what that was like and what he had to go through. Robert doesn't, you know. I mean, he. He wasn't in the same circumstances, but yet, and so it's almost like, it's just tough because how can you say to Stannis, like, well, what the heck, why, why, you know, what were you doing, just sitting down there? I mean, we had to come save you and had to come, you know, uh, root the Tyrells out. It's, it's, it's like, well, you weren't here. I mean, it's, he's also in a really, like, Storm's End is in a position that, like, you were north of this with everybody who was pissed off riding south. When you look at Robert's Rebellion and where all this was taking place, I mean, where was the aid that they needed at Storm's End? It's 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 a it's a wonder that Stannis kept it, that he was able to kind of, mm-hmm. you know, do what he did there. And, uh, it, and it's because of the, the Onion Knight that actually they show up and there's still people alive. There's still a garrison fighting on. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, the Robert's Rebellion in general, I mean, you can look at it. It's kind of a wonder that they won. You know, mm-hmm. really, especially with how long it takes Eddard Stark to really bring troops down and 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 stuff like this. I mean, they've got Robert on the run. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just you know he 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 slips away, and then obviously the it's not really like House Lannister not being involved, the Dornishmen not really super also being involved. It's really just uh, the Crownlands or the Crownlands and the Reach fighting against you know the Riverlands and and kind of the Vale and the Stormlands until yeah. the north till the north joins. Yeah, so. Right, um, but right. yeah, it's it's interesting. It really, if you look at it, I mean, they kind of, I think, should have won. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They could probably should have. Yeah. Um, so now we get back into this bit here, though, where where Maester Crescent is kind of saying, okay, so Davos has already told you that no one is gonna that you're not gonna be able to rally as many bannermen as you as you thought, and um, I mean, even his wife, Salise. Uh, Florent, right, kind of says, well, you have a, an army and, 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 you know, her house will kind of answer the call. And that's only like 3000 men or something. Uh, right. And he's he's talking about maybe an alliance, like maybe we send Shireen and we make an alliance with with um, Robert Aaron's. Yeah, with the veil. And, and he's just like, no, I mean, he, he turns all this down. And the person like like I, that's making, a really good idea, though. They I know he's totally been, he totally should have done that. Well, th- th- there's a lot of good things. I think like Mr. Crescent's doing all the traditional sort of like build your alliances, do this, do that. Uh, but it, like in the end, he, he chooses to believe in um, a shadow binder, you know, in these right. in these powers. Just weird. Yeah. The one true God. I mean, it's 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 crazy. It just shows you how persuasive she was. And, and Melisandre, right, really, yeah. she doesn't God, start with the king. she says, not gods. You know, the right. red woman had won her heart and soul, turning her from the gods of the seven kingdoms, both old and new, to worship the one they called the Lord of Light. Right. Yep. And it, like uh, working on the wife first, you know, working on Selyse before she works on uh, Stannis was key, actually. Pretty, mm-hmm. pretty solid on her part. So, yeah. It's just crazy. Now, um, 
to kind of move along, right? I mean, they eventually there's they're gonna have uh he's he's going to have a dinner with his mm-hmm. bannermen. Mm-hmm. He's gonna have them over later on. There's a little bit more here though. Gosh, there's that's actually a, one of the longer prologues. It's really so, long. Yeah. yeah, there's there, there's a lot to it. And again, a lot of it's world building. You know, his chambers seem dim and gloomy, and I think it's good. They're really kind of building up Dragonstone because it's now going to be a really important, um, you know, an important uh, uh, thing. Um, he's, you know, he's talking about the chain around his throat. As his, uh, Maester Crescent uh, felt very heavy. He touched one of the crystals lightly with the tip of his finger. Such a small thing to hold the power of life and death. Oh, yeah. So, right. So a- after they've had their little argument, um, Crescent's realizing that, he I mean, they talk to, of, yeah, they, they talk of killing Renly. They talk of, mm-hmm. of actually killing Renly. And he's just sort of like horror-struck by this idea. At that yeah. point, he's just sort of like, no, 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 no. I've got to do something. I have to do something. Yeah, Melisandre madness must not be allowed to spread beyond Dragonstone. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Melisandre yeah. of Ashai, sorceress, shadowbinder, and priestess to relore the Lord of Light, the Heart of Fire, the God of Flame and Shadow. Man. Yeah, that's, 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 that's some titles, right? For sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's just speaking mad. It's just some crazy stuff that just is really rocking the boat here. And Crescent decides that he doesn't gonna, have much. He doesn't have yeah. much time left. I think is another thing he kind of thinks. Right. What can he do here in the end? Uh, Pilus is already there to to replace him because he's old. He can barely walk up and down the steps. Uh, so you have to remember he is an extremely old man um, who has a lot of health mm-hmm. issues. And yeah. his mind and is still sound, though. Right. You know, his yeah. mind and it's, is still sound. It's interesting here. He's, he's, you know, he's he's thinking about all of these different things he could possibly do. You know, he's thinking about poisons and and, and stuff like that. He talks about the faceless men, which is, um, you know, again, uh, interesting to hear about them. The the, yeah, the assassins. I think we heard about them uh, one, just once, right? Yeah, just yep. once. So now we hear about them again, kind of like Mance Raider. You know, we heard about Mance Raider a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, in the in the last book, and now we're this is the second time I think we've heard about the faceless men. Uh, yeah. He says he he no longer name he no longer called the a shy name for the leaf or the lysine poisoners in the the crystal in the citadel. It was simply called the strangler. Dissolved in wine, it would make the muscles of a man's throat clench tighter than any fist, shutting off his windpipe. They said a victim's face turned as purple as the little crystal seed from which the death was grown. But so, too, did the man choking on a morsel of food. So that's interesting that we hear about this here because it obviously mm-hmm. comes yeah. back to play later. Right. Right. It does. And it's sort of he's he's decided in his mind here uh, that he is not to deal with this. He needs to kill Melisandre. You know, yeah. I mean, it's, it's crazy. I don't think she's really shown or demonstrated like her any of her true power or or whatever. It's it's he's still at this point. I think had he have seen some of what Melisandre could do, he never would have tried this. But it's early on, and he he's short on time, so this is something he thinks he can do because her words are. She, he can already see the claws or the or the grip that she has on Celise and just what's happening there and, and it's sort of like and you can also see it affecting stannis i mean for crying out loud at least stannis does say earlier on when they say um he stannis asked the question how many swords w- will the lord of light put in my hand and then his wife promised all you need the swords of storms in and of high garden for a start and all all their lord bannerman it's just kind of crazy like all of them seriously and then he's, he goes davos davos would tell you different those swords are sworn to renly and, you know, but if Renly should die, you know, here we go. So she's talking about what Melisandre has seen in her flames. She's 
fully converted and Crescent seeing how persuasive they are and, and, right. and stuff. It's just, uh, it's wild. I mean, Davos is more practical. He has pity on Crescent later on as well, too. Mm-hmm. So you can see that these two have a similar kind of uh, belief system or outlook on this and, and the way they approach how they're going to help Stannis is very different from how Melisandre and his wife want to help him. Right, so. and he's he, he he starts he starts to see his power slipping too. Right, you know, it's like where it says um, he he when he wakes when he awoke it was full of dark. His bedchamber was black. Every joint in his body ached. You know, um, he realizes you know that there's something going on. He says they did not summon me. Mm-hmm. He always he always summoned me. Yeah, yeah and you know, this is where he he realizes yeah well, he's got to he's got to hurry. He's got to get he's got to get down there and, and see what's going on. And, and I say this is the one part where I and I, you're gonna, you're gonna hate me for this, but I say I, I actually kind of say shame on Stannis for the way that he at least says one good thing about Maester Crescent when he shows up here to this party, but the way he's treated is just ridiculous. It's like man, this is a respected, you know, Maester who's been here for years, and they want to just call him a, a they make him out to be a gesture, they make him out to be a fool, right. um, they compare him to Patchface. It's just like mm-hmm. what the heck? And Patchface is there. Yeah, he is. <laughs> yeah. So Yeah. They're singing the song, The Shadows Come to Stay, my Lord, stay my lord, stay my lord. Do you think there's a Yeah, I think I think there's something. Well the going shadows on. are there, that's for sure. The there's shadow binder is there. Yeah, she there's has some, bound there's those shadows, yeah. Yeah. So um yeah, but anyway, so so Creston's climbing those stairs, poor guy, you know, hobbled into the into the this uh into the gateway into the, into the dining hall there. Um, he made his way towards the, the raised platform where the lords sat with the king. He had to step wide around Patchface. Uh, let's see. As he hopped from one leg to another, Patchface uh, lurched into Crescent, knocking his cane out from under him. They went mm-hmm. crashing down together amidst the rush, um, amidst the rush it, it rushes in a tangle of arms and legs. So this is a you know no doubt it was a comical sight. Um, you know, just patch face being, they just run into each other, whatever. Right. Um, trying to make the best of it, the maester smiled feebly and struggled to rise, but his hip was in such pain that for a moment he was half afraid um, that if he, that, that he had broken it all over again. He felt strong hands uh, grasp him under the arms and lift him back to his feet. Thank you, sir, he murmured, turning to see which knight had come to his aid. Maester said Lady Melisandre, her deep voice flavored with the music of the Jade Sea. You ought to take more care. It, you know, so those strong mm-hmm. hands and that person lifting him up that felt as strong as, as a knight uh, was, was Melisandre. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, know. and then he, then, he talks, then he talks about her appearance a little bit. You know, it says around her throat was the red gold choker tighter than any maester's chain, ornamented with a single great ruby. Her hair was not the orange or strawberry of common red hair, but a deeper, uh, you know, burn, burned c- copper that shone in the light of the torches. Even her eyes were red. Her skin smooth as white. Um, you know, she talks about she's slender, taller than most knights. Um you know, it says men's eyes that found once found her did not quickly look away, not even a maester's eyes. Many called her beautiful. She was not beautiful. She was red, terrible, and red. Uh, <laughs> it says, I, th- I thank you, my lady. A man your age must look where he steps, Melisande, courteously. The night is dark and full of terrors. Boom. There it is. And we'll yep. be hearing, we'll obviously be hearing that a lot more. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and this is uh, he kind of has a, a battle of words with her a little bit, just kind of going back and forth. Uh, only only the children fear the dark. 
Uh, yet, even as he said the words, he heard Patchface take up his song again. The shadows come to dance, my lord. Dance, my lord. Dance, my lord. Yeah, um, wow. Right? I mean, it, right as he says that, like he's talking about how the shadows have come and they're here to stay. Patchface knows. Oh, he knows. He knows. Right? I mean, mm-hmm. trust old Patchface to, to confirm. He's the old Nan, I guess, of this of this region. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, so then she kind of makes fun of him. She hands him like Patchface's crown falls down and she picks it up. She says, you know, crown to match your chain. People start laughing. He says, um, you know, I need no crown but the truth. Yeah. He tell he tells her removing the fool's hel- helm from his head. She says there are truths in this world that are not taught at Old Town. Um, which is kind of, you know, kind of true, kind of true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then this is where he talks to, to Stannis uh, to a little bit. He says, you did not wake me. Or, no, he's, he's just like the old man could only stop and stare. Mr. Pylos, he said at last, you did not wake me. His grace commanded me to let you rest. He told me you were not needed here. Ooh. Gee, many Christmas. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. And th- then they kind of go over just everybody who's there. Lord Celtigar. Um, mm-hmm. Lord, Lord Valerion, Lord yeah. Sunglass, right, right. Uh, Axel Florent is there as well. Uh, so yeah, just just gonna going. Oh, whoa! I forgot this guy was there. Salador San is he there? Mm-hmm. Let's see. Yeah, um, the Lycene captain. Yeah, mm-hmm. that guy's a big deal. We'll talk more about him later. Uh, Davos yeah. is there, dressed simply in brown, right? Dr- brown and green. Well, right. Yeah. Yeah, and that's where he found pity. I mean, that's the only person who he really looked at, and and uh, kind of Davos feels bad for for the old man. And this is sort of uh, this is this is this sucks. He just ran into Patchface. Right. He's getting you know talked to this way by Melisandre. It's, they're dis- it's disrespectful. You don't talk to a maester like this. I mean, this is this is ridiculous. So, but anyways, um, yeah. Th- then he hears Lord Stannis's voice saying, "You are too ill and too confused to be uh, used to me, old man." Pylos will counsel me henceforth. Already he works with the ravens since you can no longer climb to the rookery. I will not have you kill yourself in my service. Uh, yeah. You know, and he doesn't, again, he just is super blunt. He has no way of, I don't know, he doesn't, he knows the courtesies, but he's not like, I don't know, he just doesn't, Stannis says what he's thinking. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then he... You know, this is a little bit, a little, a little, just a little bit after that is when, uh, you know, he he realizes he's sitting too far away from her. He's like, I, you know, I, mu- I must get closer here if I am to get the strangler into her cup. Yet how? Um, mm-hmm. And then pa- Patchface is kind of dancing around, uh, he's singing a song. You know, he's under the sea, we eat fish, and the fish eat us. Um, you know, and, and Davos, <laughs> <laughs> it's just like whatever. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I was like, all right, all right, all right, yeah. Patchface, <laughs> all right, Patchface, yeah. Um. Uh, where is it? It's just a little bit. Oh, uh, Stannis. There, Stannis is still talking, you know, to Selyse, and he's, you know, the Starks seek to seal half my kingdom. Yet, even though the Lannisters have stolen my throne, they are all usurpers, and they are all my enemies. You know, I've lost him, Crescent thought. Um, and so, you know, this mm-hmm. is where it's it's more of kind of his inner monologue. It's kind of like all of these things are just kind of happening, and he's like seeing it all unfold really, you know, really, really quickly. And so he's trying to he's he's just trying to like. It, it, I think it's it's the way it's told. It's really good because it seems kind of chaotic, mm-hmm. um, and so it's he's she's like I gotta I've got to do this now. I've got I've got to make my move. Yeah, it, it's actually sort of uh, you feel like Crescent a little bit because you, you, it's 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 him right. We're 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 he's thinking about how 
things are bouncing. Things are out, uh, outside. Like, he's been asleep. He woke up. He's confused. He's not confused, but he's he's behind. He feels like he's a step behind, and he's trying to do something here, and he's rushing. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, he's also uh, I wanted to mention he's seated next to uh, Davos because Davos was the only one who you know he's like hey I have a seat here for you because he's looking around no one will give him a freaking seat come on right. man it's an old mm-hmm. man sitting there and Davos is like here come over here I've got a seat for you it just makes you like Davos that much more that's it's why great. we no right? yeah it's it's yeah. great and so then he does he you know he he says you've gone too far woman um you know Lord Santa says he's an old man and he served me well you know and so hey it's like you know yeah that's a redeeming qu- yeah right that's that's right. a little redeeming he says and I will and then you know in his mind he says I will serve you to the last my sweet lord my poor uh, lonely son Crescent thought for suddenly he saw the way Sir Davos's cup was before him still half full of sour red he found a hard flake of crystal in his sleeve held it tight between his thumb and forefinger as he reached for the cup smooth motions deft I must not fumble now. So he gets it in there. Um, he says, maybe I have been a fool, Lady Melisandre. Will you share a cup of wine with me? A cup in honor of your God, your Lord of light, a cup to toast his power. And, you know, she says, and she kind of studies him, if you wish. He could feel everyone watching. Um, you know, okay. Davos clutched at him uh, unless he left his bench, catching his sleeve with his fingers and Lord Stannis's, uh, you know, had short. And he said, what are you doing? So Stannis, or I think Davos, Davos realizes, knows. hey, something, something's up. Something's yep, up. He saw him do it. For sure. Yeah. He says, you know, a thing that must be done for the sake of the realm and, uh, you know, the soul of my lord. He shook up Davos's hand, spilling a drop of wine on the, on the rushes. She met him be- uh, beneath the high table with every man's eye upon them. But Crescent saw only her red silk, red eyes and the ruby red at her throat. Um, his skin felt hot, feverish. It's not too late to spill the wine, Maester. Um, yeah, she gives him that. No. She Boy, gives him yeah. the option. Yeah, no, he whispered hoarsely. No, as you will. Melisandre of Ashai took the cup from his hands and drank long and deep. So, I mean, you know, she see in the show. I, I, I think it's, I think it's the other way around. I think he takes a sip first. Okay, and then so he's. I, I'm gonna have to go. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to pull it up. But I, I I'm pretty sure that he takes a sip first. And so it's like she he's like being poisoned as he watches her drink the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm going to pull it. I'm going to pull it up here. Yeah. It's just it's just well, a, you, well, if you I think you, it has I think yeah. it has a little bit more power, though. I mean, just that like she drinks it first and I don't know. I guess you go either way. It's sort of like like if he's really committed to his plan, he's going to drink first to maybe show her that there's nothing to fear here and then hands it to her while he kind of steadies himself to watch her mm-hmm. drink, you know what I'm saying? I think you go either way, or you give it to Melisandre, who knows there's poison, and says, "Okay, I'll go ahead and drink it anyways." And he does, he does, he does drink first. Yeah, so I think either way it depends on who you want to kind of put in maybe a more favorable light. It, I, I think is is why you would make that choice, right? Because if Crescent drinks it first, he's committed. Right, he's absolutely like, "I'm done. This is my last yeah. drink." You know, uh, so if that's what they do in the show, that's cool. Uh, in this, and he, he's. Yeah, and in the show, I mean, I have the scene pulled up here, and he's starting to like st- stammer and fall down. Like, I think you know, blood is starting to even like come out of his nose as yeah. he as, and then so he's like already poisoned and dying, and then he just watches her drink the whole thing, mm-hmm. as she's yeah. like staring right into his eyes. It's pretty cool. I mean, either way, either either way, it's it's awesome. I, yeah, it's it's, it's it, awesome. Yeah, it, and so in she a just, weird way. Yeah, it's it's um, it it just showing Melisandre's strength, and I think that's really why. Yeah, 
in right. this, she, she drank. She offers it back to him. She says, and now you, his hands were shaking, yeah. made himself strong. A maester of the Citadel must not be afraid. The wine was sour on his tongue. Um, he let the in- empty cup drop from his fingers and shatter on the floor. He does have power here, my lord, the woman said. The fire mm-hmm. cleanses. At her throat, the ruby shimmered redly. Oh, um, Mm-hmm. Crescent tried to reply, but his words caught in his throat. His cough became a terrible thick whistle as he strained to suck in air. Iron fingers tightened around his neck as he sank to his knees. Still, he shook his head, denying her, denying her power, denying her magic, denying her God. And the cowbells peeled in their uh, in their antlers, singing, fool, 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 while the, while the red woman looked down on him in pity. Uh, the candle flames dancing in her red, red eyes. Yeah, it's just. Wow. I mean, it's yeah, it's building this. Melisandre, right. you're, you're this, at the end she's of this, a big you're deal. Like, you're like, whoa, this is this is different. She's a like, she. It didn't affect her at all, and she drank first no. and drank most right. of it. So, yeah, and you know, that's that's the thing. Again, this is why you know we we kept saying as as we, for, you know, a lot of for a lot of a lot of people, it's like, man, this the second book is it things change. It gets uh, magic is way more prevalent, like immediately right out of the gate. Yeah, it's it's cool. It is one of the better sequels. I mean, I I love a Game of Thrones, but I this book is is fantastic. Mm-hmm. It just it it takes everything that was great in the first book and just I don't know makes it better, makes it bigger. As as you said, bolder, mm-hmm. and he really goes for it. So everything grows. Yeah. But, Perfect, man. man. What a great yeah. But uh, the prologue and the and then we get epilogue chapters uh, and some you know you don't get an epilogue chapter in the first book but uh, man they're kind of cool because you just get them from different people's perspectives so um, it's just it's really 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 cool so um, yeah. all right well I think hey we have a raven sir Ezra yes sir absolutely yeah so we have a we have a raven here this was a, a kind of a fitting one from uh, uh, this is Craig from the wall uh, a loyal listener he calls himself and I believe so uh, dear sirs I write to you now. From the northeast corner of Westeros, the chilly town of East Watch by the Sea at the end of the wall, uh, and then in parentheses, Newcastle, England. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I must take this time to applaud you both for the great work you have done with your podcast. The first season of BTK has been uh, such an enjoyable listen through your book analysis, show hype, and overall theorizing. It's been totally awesome. I've been listening for a good number of months now. Uh, way before season eight started and must say I feel totally I feel a total fraud and a thief for not contributing via Patreon. Uh, don't feel that at all because right, yeah. here he is. Cindy, this this literally brightened my day when we we saw this. And I was like, we're say, I, I wanted this to be one of the Ravens that we used to kind of open this new season because mm-hmm. there are so many ways. Join, one oh, of the things we'll say right now, we're super close to a thousand members in the Facebook group yeah. and our captains of the garden there do a great job. And mm-hmm. just everybody sharing theories and sharing news. We sometimes get news just because you guys share it. Post and we it. see it and we're like, that's yeah. where, hey, that's where, that's where I first saw the news about uh, the new prequels in the, yeah. in the Facebook group. Which is great, so. which is great. So that that's all those different ways that you can you can contribute, writing a review, all that kind of stuff. So uh, never feel bad there. Never, never, never. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, I love the fact that you guys do create such awesome free content as it keeps the great entertainment flowing for us, uh, tight-fisted, deep-pocketed, short-armed <laughs> northerners. <laughs> um, 
So let's see. However, should one day, uh, should one of you declare yourselves in the war of the five kings uh, and aim for the iron throne, I may pledge my firm allegiance and open up the family coffers. <laughs> hey, man. Hey, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's hysterical. Um, in all seriousness, this Raven is just to say, well done on the first season and keep up the incredible work. Loved the read through and the Raven's Nest. Uh, such fun listening to all the different views and opinions. Can't wait for season two and really, really cannot wait for wheel of time the series mm-hmm. that's coming hey that's soon. that's that's coming too yep so again uh, a loyal listener craig from the wall so shout out to him thank you very much uh for sending that raven it really uh yeah it was good it's just good to kind of hear that Perfect. uh get some good get some feedback and and everything and we're, we're really we really do want this to be like a bigger better season we're hoping to do it's some fun be. stuff it, it is and i like one of the things we have planned i mean for example um in my maester's studies, you know, when we do the maester's study, if we have a squire, anybody who wants to join at the squire, you can come on and and we will kind of like pre-record something with our squires and boom, post it in there. So, you know, fun things like that that we're trying to make a little bit better. Uh, we're going to have more. Once we finish up uh, this month, we'll be doing the Hall series, uh, the final one, right? Mm-hmm. Four? Yeah, yeah, part four. Yeah, part yeah. four. So so we'll finish up Hall and then uh, from there we're kind of we're going to outline once we get to, you know, uh, 2020 so that'll get us through november we'll do some fun stuff in december uh you know we like to pull crazy 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 theories uh and do some of that on patreon maybe in december and then 2020 we're going to come out with a new outline uh for our patreon series so you guys kind of know what's coming up and if you're mm-hmm. in there uh we'd love to get feedback on what you'd like to hear about are there theories or characters or a series you'd like us to do um whatever it may be I think we'd we'd be we're open to to all of that. It kind of takes me back to Follow Up Friday when we were all over the freaking series. We My were, God. man. Yeah. Whew. Whew. Talk about Literally. growing. Yeah, we'd be like, we'd be, yeah, we'd be, we'd be like, all right, we're at the wall. Now we're over in SS. Now we're in whoa, right. man. It's like, yeah, <laughs> it was great, but it was it was crazy. Right. It was crazy. So yeah, yeah, awesome. So, yeah, thank you. And he says, uh, I'll try to get a photo of me on the real wall and add it to the Facebook group. That'd be uh, Hadrian uh, Hadrian's. Hadrian, I, whichever one, yep. of the, the wall, yep, there in uh, in England. So yeah, yeah. I'd be great. Um, okay, so uh, move on over here to uh, man the wall. I do have uh, we we're also on Kofi, Kofi. I think it's Kofi, right? It's like where it's yeah, like another Kofi. kind of it's like another kind of thing where you can just uh, people who just want to like if you want to pledge like a one time thing. It's kind of cool. Uh, Emerson uh, Daup uh, gave us uh, bought bought Sir Ezra and I a Kofi, uh, a coffee. I guess Kofi hey, over there, over there. You, so, you know how much I love my, my coffee and my cold brew. It's true. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, Hey, we, when we added the extra, so we, we added some extra titles, obviously at the beginning of the season, we're like, you know, we need to add, we need to expand some titles. So obviously I'm sure a lot of our listeners are going to be like, well, I need to expand my titles. That's right. You're in season. We're in season two, man. You know, yeah. you, what battles have you fought in your life? What have you done? Expand, expand, expand it out there. Yeah. But one of the ones we were thinking of for because I went in and I just put them in. And then Cereza and I were like, he was like, well, I need some. So we're trying to come up with stuff. I was like, I don't know, yeah. man, you drink a lot of cold brew. I was like, uh, you know, like uh, ca- yeah. ca- captain of the cold brew or, you know, something yeah. like that. <laughs> I was really trying to get him to, you know, say Cereza also likes the tea from the um, the Long Island. And so I was trying to find uh, I was trying to find a, a way for him to get to get that in there. And I will say, um, you know, for any of you who, who who actually know Sir Ezra, you know, through some of the other podcasts, you know, we've had meetups and, and, and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah. Hey, let me tell you, there is a big difference between, you know, Sir Ezra 
and um, Long Island Ezra. So yeah, when Long when Long Island Ezra shows up, I'm like, who the hell are you, and what are you yeah, doing it's a, here? Oh man, it's this a, guy. It's, it's, a, oh, it's a different. It's it's a different ball game. So <laughs> different. Uh, maybe maybe one time we'll do a special. We'll do a right. special on Patreon for that. <laughs> Yeah, Long bring Island. Him, we'll bring him on the show sometime. Long Island as man. He's he's a di- he's a different he's a different cat. So he's crazy. He's crazy. <laughs> Perfect. All right. So um all right, man. You know, one thing I do want to uh say here before we before we kind of wrap up here, um you can we have the website, right? So that is another yeah. that's kind of the new I think easy way to send us Ravens, which is bendanypodcast.com. It's just a uh, thing you can click on uh, and it and you can just type your raven in right there um so you can also still of course do it through email uh btkcast at gmail.com um obviously sending us messages on facebook or instagram works as well but i'd say like the easiest way is 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 kind of through like the website now i think it's just boom super easy also if you want to listen you can there's like all the links to all the episodes that are there uh, there's mm-hmm. links to our social media um, yep. You can follow me at Super Gaines Bros on Instagram or Twitter. You can follow Ezra at WompRat underscore 2M on uh, Instagram and Twitter. And there's links for all that stuff there. So, uh, again, super shout out to, um, you know, Sir Jimmy. He's been he's been working on that for a long time and he's got it all dialed in now. So and, it's, and it's, it's really beautiful. Cool. It's really, really nice. good. It's really you... nice. And he just did it. He's just like, hey, can I design you guys a website? We're like, uh, yes. And he did it all and so a huge shout out to him you know cannot uh, cannot stress that enough yeah a, another big one too just on that website if you're ever wondering how do i get to discord even if you're not a patron and you want to go in there and just kind of like look at the different people are buying selling trading doing different things in there uh shout out to sir ant for for running that and doing a great job uh there's actually on the very front page if you go to yeah right there on the front page at the very bottom there's a link to the discord so that's pretty cool. You can go that right there. Mm-hmm. People are always asking, what's the link to Discord? And he's got it in there, which is cool. So. Yeah, absolutely. So um, also one other thing I want to I say here is, you know, we used to um, we just we just we just we never really got them anymore. But um, you can actually give us a quick I believe it's like three minute call. Right, Sir Ezra? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. So if you want, if you, you know, we do the Ravens Nasses, which is one way to get you guys on on the show. But, you know, if you just want to just send us a Raven and you just want to do that, I think the number is uh, 614-547-23. Five zero, and that's kind of like through Gmail. You can send those, and uh, we we've had we've had some in the past. We haven't really had a lot of them um, um, since then, but you do have the option of doing that, and you can uh, send us in a, a Raven that way if you kind of want to hear your voice on the show. It's really cool. It's it's a lot of fun. Yeah, and, and even if you don't want to do that, and you just want to send like an audio clip, especially if you're one of our, you know, Captain of the Guard, Bannerman, Sworn Swords, what ha- what have you. If we know that, and it comes through on Patreon or or an email, and we see an audio clip. Uh, that bad boy is getting played, you know. So if, as long as there's nothing ridiculous and what happens, right? Yeah, I mean, we, yeah, you know, so if it if no, it's what, just I mean, right, if it's just if it's just three minutes of you telling us how much we suck, like I'm probably not gonna air it. Okay, I mean, <laughs> uh, we're gonna say bend the knee back. Yeah, to you, we're right? gonna say bend the knee. Okay, I mean, maybe I'll call in and be like, hey, Sir Ezra sucks. Like, sucks. Get, get that guy out. <laughs> Who I remember the guy? time when he was un- when he was you know not watchful. <laughs> Right, yeah. Be unwatchful. Oh god. Perfect. So, all right, man. Well, we're back. That's all I. We're I back. mean, that's 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 all I gotta say. It's 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 great. I'm excited. Um, so we want to thank you for playing the Game of Thrones. In our next episode, we will be discussing Chapter One, Aria One of A Clash of Kings. Absolutely. Um, if you like our podcast, don't forget to subscribe, like us, write a review, leave a comment, or send us a raven at btkcast at gmail.com. We will see you in a week, and remember that the night is dark and full of terrors. 